I, I really struggled with being at a hospital. Uh, I, if you know, if you're not called to nursing or being a doctor or working in a hospital, I, I think on some level we all kind of struggle with hospitals. Uh, if you don't, then maybe you're called to a ministry there and you just don't realize it. I'm not. Uh, I, I struggled the, the majority of the week uh, and, and really kind of started feeling guilty at times because the there it feels like sometimes as a pastor you have this pressure to to be all things to all people all of the time and if if you get a chance sometime go down there and park near St. Anthony's and just walk around the neighborhood a little while and and pay attention and you know make sure you know be smart it's not a real safe area a lot of times for you know females in the room don't go there alone males in the room don't go around smiling waving at everybody it's not that kind of neighborhood um, and and I I found myself in the middle of uh, it felt like two different worlds inside the hospital and outside the hospital where inside the hospital there there was one variety of suffering and hurting people and outside the hospital there was a different variety of suffering and hurting people and, and in the middle of it you know I'm trying to keep my head down and survive and and do the the one job that my earthly father had tasked me with which was take care of your mother you know I there, there's a whole sermon on that from when Jesus talked to John that you know it means something a little more when 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 a man in your life who you love looks at you and says you take care of your mother it's it takes on a different level but there were moments where mom was safe and secure in the hospital room and I was free to move about the cabin so to speak and and just overwhelmed with the the hurt that I saw and and not just in the hospital but outside the hospital I was overwhelmed with it and, and I began to talk to the Lord about you know am I supposed to do something here a am I supposed to you know go and and to talk and to get these people's story on the ICU unit out in the waiting room am I, am I supposed to go get their story and to pray with them and and God said, no, you're just here to watch. And I'm, I was taken aback because nobody likes being benched. Okay, former athletic term there. Nobody likes being put on the bench. And, and I was out wandering through the neighborhood trying to find a place to eat. And let me tell you, those are some adventures I'll share another time. But uh, I saw some homeless people that... Uh, the the one man I'll never forget him as long as I live and I thank God let me see him for a reason you know he he was half clothed and he was three quarters out of his mind and I said God what can I do to help him and and he said absolutely nothing you want to talk about frustrating is when you're wanting to do something and God says no and 
and I, I said, God, what, what is the lesson here? And, and God very gently reminded me that you're not called to do everything. But what you are called to do, you're called to do that with the best effort that you can give, the best intensity you can bring to what he's called you to do. And, and there was one point, I probably looked just as crazy as the homeless guy because God's speaking to me as I'm out there and I just throw my hands up and, and start walking you know, nowhere because everywhere I thought I was gonna get to go eat was as soon as I'd get to the door, you know, the Spirit of God would check me and say, not here. Not here. I, I end up eating some really good food by the grace of God, turning me away from, you know, God doesn't have to work real hard to turn me away from sushi in Oklahoma City because I have a very strict sushi rule. If you're more than 300 miles from the coast, you don't eat sushi there. You just don't. And, you know, God was steering and guiding me and... And he, he led me into one spot and I get in there and I'd read the reviews and I was thinking I was going to get pretty good food. I go sit down in a booth and, and the bartender's like, brah, brah, come here. So I'm like looking for brah. And, and I come up and, and he, he looks at me and he says, man, I hate to tell you, but we quit serving food about two months ago. You look like you're hungry. And I was like, yeah, and I read the reviews. It looked like you guys had really good food. And he said, man, all I can offer you is drinks. And I said, man, I really need to eat something, so I'm going to have to go somewhere else. But, but I love the vibe you got going here. And he's like, bro, and he reaches over the counter and almost gives me a hug. And, of course, I'm, I'm wearing you know, a T-shirt that, that says strong men protect innocent lives. And we had just a, a short conversation it wasn't me preaching to him it wasn't me trying to save the whole bar it was me being real and genuine and hungry and and I mean it was a fun atmosphere I would have really enjoyed it had they had food and, and I get back out on the street and and God says just go walking and 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 quit Quit trying to search Yelp reviews. Just let me take you where I want you to eat. And I'll give you the conversation you need to have. And it was, it was a really neat deal. I ended up at a Mexican place. And I'm going to throw quotes on that because uh, I, I probably spoke more Spanish than anybody in there. And... And God led me in there just to have a conversation with the guy at the cash register. And, and it was a very simple conversation about, you know, how he, he said, you know, didn't you just come in here? And, and is how the conversation started. And the whole thing was just to encourage him that he was doing a great job being a friendly person. I left him a good tip and... And, and he was just kind of taken aback because, again, I had a shirt on that said that, without a doubt, I'm a Christian. If you just judge me by my T-shirt, I'm a Christian. And, and he said, a lot of people like you don't come talk to people 
in places like this. And I said, dude, I'm just here to eat tacos. I'm here to eat tacos. I'm not here to save the world. And, he, and you know, it, it was just a, a moment where that young man had everything in his life that he perceived about Christians challenged by somebody who just wanted tacos. And God began to, to deal with me. And, and hopefully you'll just be patient this morning as I'm unpackaging this. I really was tempted the whole time talking with these neurosurgeons to, to talk with them about, you know, how do you, how do you unpack trauma? Because uh, the events of the last few days had been very traumatic. And I didn't physically suffer anything, but most of trauma is mental and emotional and spiritual. And, and uh, some of this is, is thoughts friends of mine have poured into me and I'm stealing from them. And if you want me, I'll quote their names, but it won't mean anything to you. But uh, one of them is a friend's pastor in California who is on a retreat right now. And, and this is how they opened that retreat reminding them as they went to go spend some quiet time alone that God's not relying on us for anything. I want you to understand that my frustration that I felt down walking around St. Anthony's where I didn't feel like I was doing anything for the kingdom, that I wasn't doing anything for mankind to, to show them the love of Christ. God was trying to set me up for this moment to remind me that he's not relying on me for anything. He doesn't need me. Ouch. Are you kidding? Okay, just everybody take that deep breath and, and relax because God doesn't need you for anything. He's not relying on you to get the job done. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He doesn't need your, your talents, your abilities, you know, your skill set, your resources. None of that. He simply wants you. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you where it doesn't matter if, if it feels like you're the leech in that relationship where you're just taking, taking, taking because He over and over through His Word says, taste and see. Try me. Try me and see if I don't satisfy more than everything else in this world. But on the flip side of that, those, those giftings, those talents, those abilities, all of those things are not an expectation from God, but it's one of the ways that we express our love for Him. And that's where, where this all came back to a point where God said, I love you and, and I'm going to use you. It's just not in this time or this place. This is not where I've called you to use those things. I've called you just to see that you can look around the room on a Sunday morning and there's people who are hurting just as bad as that guy that was half naked and three quarters out of his mind. There's people who are hurting, who are experiencing trauma just like you're seeing on the floor at the hospital. Those are the people I've called you to go use your gifting and your talents to reach. 
and the fact that you want to use them other places is an expression of love. But I love you too much to let you burn out trying to do it all. So it took me a while to get brave enough to jump back into the Word because sometimes when you get rebuked, you, you, you really don't want to go back for a second helping of that lecture. Anybody get that with your dad or your mom? You, you don't want to go back for seconds when you feel like you got in trouble, even if it was loving. Yeah, no, you know, I, I can't think of once as a child where I got swats and went back and said, thank you, sir, may I have another? Never happened. Never happened. You know, I got swats. I tried to disappear for a few hours. But in Corinthians, right in the middle of, of Paul teaching about the, the gifting of the Holy Spirit and, and just before his great uh, teaching on love, uh, Paul takes a moment and he, he brings something to mind that I, I really felt God wanted me to share with us because I, I really think that there are, are people who, who come into the room every Sunday and, and feel like I felt at that hospital where, you know, if, if we really get down to it, Pastor, I feel like I should be doing more. I really feel like God's equipped me and I should be doing more. And, and I want you to understand, if you feel like you should be doing more, let's have that conversation. Because I want you to be able to express your love for God using the gifting, the talent, the ability, the resources He's given you. But we, we need to make sure first. Because uh, the last thing that we want to do is open space for people to, to walk in and be wounded. And let me tell you, I think some of God holding me back was, you know, if you go to strike up a conversation with a crazy guy on the street in Oklahoma City, it can end very badly very quickly. And, you know, anyways, we won't go down that road. But... Paul says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. The, the King James says, I don't wish you to be ignorant. Which, that, <clears throat> that sometimes gets confusing to people. That means you don't understand or you haven't been told. It does not mean you're stupid. Okay, the, the JJ translation would not go as smoothly, okay, where I, I don't want you to be stupid. But anyways... You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one, who can, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What an introduction to start what, what Paul's going to say there. You know, he, he's making sure that people understand that there is a spirit of this world that will try and say things, but there's limits to the influence the spirit of the world can have on you. There's limits to the influence that this culture and this society can have on you because there, there is that still small voice inside you that is put there by God himself, and when God speaks to you, you cannot deny it. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. That's such a comforting spirit to me that, that God has given people like my wife and, and, and others who are gifted in teaching small children and working with small children. If it's left to me, they're going to look like a tribe of savages and you know, we're going to have our war paint on and we're going to be almost burning the building down. You don't want me doing small children services. I'm just telling you. You know, teenagers and just below teenagers, you know, I speak just enough of their language, we're good. Okay? We're pretty bussing. I threw that word out there. Yeah, no cap. There we go. It's like, don't be that guy, Pastor, is what the teenagers are looking at me. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another speaking different kinds of tongues and still another the interpretation of tongues okay that is a big big set of stuff that we could spend a lot of time talking about but i'm gonna put the cookies on the bottom shelf here that god is going to equip each of us to work for him in a way that best suits him and it's not about he loves somebody more or less. It's the same Spirit of God working to just get the whole job done. Okay? You ever do that with your kids where you divide up the chores in one room of the house? One, one kid's going to wash the dishes. One kid's going to clean the table. One kid's going to sweep the floor. None of those jobs are fun, but they all get the kitchen cleaned up. Okay, sometimes we have to, to take that mindset instead of saying, you know, well, the pastor is the pastor, so he's going to be the guy that preaches. That's not always the case. There's times God will put a burning word in somebody's heart and they'll come say, hey, you okay with me speaking? Here's the other crazy reality. Sometimes the pastor's gone. The pastor needs to be gone, just like the forced sabbatical you know, the Sunday school teachers are taking next week. That, that's my way of phrasing it. My wife would never put it that harsh. We're making you take a sabbatical next week, Sunday school teachers. And I'm being forced into sabbatical too next week. No, we're, we're excited about that group coming and working so that through the process of actually going and trying different things for the kingdom, they figure out, hey, this is where God really has gifted and equipped me. And I can, I can develop that, like training a muscle to where, man, you know, for one of those kids next week, they may come in and realize, just like me, I'm not a children's pastor. If I'm a children's pastor, you better have really good fire insurance on the building. But I do all right with teenagers and, and people who are formerly teenagers. See, that's my clever way of not calling anybody old. We're all formerly teenagers. You may be in your third round of teenage years, but that's okay. We're all formerly teenagers. 
all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes to them each one just as He determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentile, slave or free. We were given the one Spirit to drink. We, we were filled, and there, there's no better way to think of yourself being filled than the way that Paul writes that there. When you go to drink something, you, when you drink something, it can affect your whole body. On a hot day, working out on the tractor, you pick up that canteen full of ice-cold water, it can lower your whole body temperature as you drink it. Think of it the same way with the Spirit of God. As we drink of the Spirit of God, it can change our whole outlook on life in just those moments. You know, drinking, you know, and, and we don't have time to get there. Man, I, <clears throat> my brain's going a hundred different ways because we're unpacking a little trauma here. It's like, man, I should be scratching notes and I'd have sermon series for the next six weeks. But uh, the... The woman at the well, what Jesus tell her? If you drink of the water I give you, out of you will come a river of living water and you'll never be thirsty again. The, we're all given the Spirit of God so that He not only satisfies us, but we're satisfied with Him. Even so, the body is made up of, not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, be no longer part of the body. Have you ever just tried to picture this in your mind? You know, thankfully, we have the Adams family with Thing, the hand, that, you know, he's no longer part of the body, but... It's creepy and weird. Okay, let's just be real. There, there's people within the body of Christ who, who have tried in different ways to separate themselves out. And, and you know, raise your hand if you've met a creepy and weird Christian. Nobody's hands are going up. I'm afraid I'm the only one. Okay? <clears throat> there are some people out there that make our faith weird. And I, and I want you to understand that Christianity is is unique, it's peculiar, it's set apart, but it's definitely not weird. Now, in the 90s, we consider ourselves freaks, but that was, a, that was a badge of honor. Thank you, DC Talk, the gift that keeps on giving. But think about it in Paul's line of reasoning. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? As a person who struggles hearing, I trust my eyes more than my ears. I, I can tell you, it, I'd rather have them both work. It's a lot safer. If the, the whole body were an ear, it would be hideously ugly and hard to draw. No, wait, sorry. That, that's the art teacher in me processing out there. I, I struggle with ears and noses. They're just weird. Only God could make them pretty. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I'm really glad we don't have an ear right in the middle of our face. 
Faces are hard enough to draw with noses there. Imagine with an ear, because ears aren't symmetrical. If you put an ear, there's no way to make it symmetrical in the middle of your face. It's designed to sit on the side. Eyes, right in the middle. There's some people that they're pretty close together and, oh, okay, I'm glad I'm not that, mine are close enough. You know, you get them too much closer and they cross all the time. I gotta quit touching my face. I keep crossing my eyes and it's bad. But what if you, you start to look at this section of scripture and you think, you know, God, you, you've put me in this body. What am I supposed to do here? What's my job? Because Paul continues on, as it is, there are many parts but one body. And, and to shorten it up a little bit here, no part of the body can tell the other parts, hey, I don't need you. I don't need you. And, and Paul continues on. He starts talking about the parts of your body you don't ever see. I'm really thankful I have a stomach and equally as thankful I have kidneys, a liver, lungs, a heart, a brain. All these parts of my body without help, I can't see them. I'm really glad they're there. I'm really thankful for the anterior cruciate ligament of my left knee. I know what it's like to not have one in my right. And the rebuilt one is not the same as the original. Original parts are better. But sometimes I think we, we feel like everything that's done in the church has to be big and be seen. I'm telling you, the most effective ministry in the church is, is what you do on your daily walk with Him. When, when you're willing to take five minutes and have that conversation with the waiter. When, how you react when the waiter messes up your order. It can become a ministry because I'm one of those people that people mess up my order all the time. And that, that means I'm picky and weird too, by the way. <clears throat> I'll tell you where I feel more lost than anything is at Starbucks. I'm a guy that's pretty simple. I just like black coffee. And their menu, nowhere does it just say black coffee. You're going to stand out. Go order black coffee in, <laughs> in Starbucks. But... But Paul starts to wrap this up and he says, Now you're the body of Christ and each one of you is a part in it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Again, he's throwing out all these, you know, and we could spend a lot of time talking about each of them. We're going to keep it really simple. God has put in each person something. He's put in you something. And he's put it in there to set you apart and to give you a very unique way to worship him. The challenge is for you to find it. And the only way you're going to find it is if you talk to the maker, the one who designed the body, and say, where do I fit? 
Where do I fit? These are my, my giftings, my talents, my resources. Where do I fit to use that for you? And, and I'll just go back. My brain on different kinds of tongues instantly went to thinking about people in the room that understand parts of technology better than me, that understand the internal combustion engine better than me, understand music better than me. I start thinking, and faces were coming to mind. I'm not going to single anybody out today. But when you have these giftings, and sometimes you don't recognize them as a gift because you had to learn to do them, but they're a gift. If you're gifted in understanding finances, whew, in the day and age we live, people who can manage money well are, are a jewel. But I'm going to leave you with the, the beginning of, of Moses' call to ministry. And if you go back and read the entirety of Exodus chapter 4, you'll, you'll see very quickly that God makes room for you to argue and make your case of why you can't do something. And then He usually shatters it with His answer. But... But Moses is already protesting, God, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? And, and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. And then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? So the, the, this morning as we wrap this up really quickly, how can you use your gifting to help build the kingdom? How can you use what God has already enabled you to do to build His kingdom? And to simplify it even more, what do you have in your hand? What do you possess that allows you to say or do things that you could bring God glory with? Because God's not calling you to go take His people out of Egypt. He's calling you to be faithful and to, to be obedient and to worship Him right where He is. He wants you and He's going to use what you have to bring others to Him. If I wanted to make this really simple, you're just a shiny lure in the fishing box. but you have to be willing to get on the line and let God show you off to draw some people to Him. What do you have in your hand? What do you have that you can use to build the kingdom?